is crippling. You are true, you are true, even in my wandering. You are joy, you are joy, you're the reason that I sing. You are life, you are life, and your death has lost its sting.
If you wanna go ahead and take a seat, you're more than welcome to do so. Hey, my name is Ashley Covert. I do communications here, and I'm just really grateful that you're choosing to spend your Saturday evening with us. A couple pieces of housekeeping. Um, first thing, we have Street Fest coming up this Wednesday. So if you, that's exactly right. So if you haven't sorted out your family costume or your costume or your cell group costume, you got a couple days, but I need you to get on it. Um, if you plan on coming, this is gonna be in place of uh, cell group this week. We just ask that you bring a canned good or a pantry item as your entry fee. We're gonna do a donation to the Samaritan Center. Um, next, if you didn't know this about fellowship, we are podcast people. So one that I wanna make you aware of if you aren't already is The Ride Home. This is a podcast with Mickey Rapier. Right now they are doing a End Times series with our very own Nick Rowland and with Robert Cup. Um, end Times are something that I think we've all always had questions about, so this makes things really digestible and I encourage you to check it out. Another thing that I don't have a slide for, but if you are the grown-up of a student interested in a mission trip coming up this spring break, we're gonna do a quick info meeting after service in the Family Center, just about 15 minutes. If you can't make it today, we're gonna do it again next week as well. While I'm up here, uh, I'd be remiss to not say anything or acknowledge some of the heaviness or burden that we might have felt coming in um, with everything that's happening in the Middle East. I'm not gonna be able to sum up millennia's worth of conflict in a couple sentences, um, but I did wanna give us a tangible to think through. So a few weeks ago, when we were going over our elder parameters, one of those things was social media. That's a big part of my job, but my encouragement to you guys right now, especially if you have students, maybe just think about deleting those apps for the time being. Um, there have been incredibly graphic and atrocious things posted online. I don't think we were meant to see those things. As humans, I don't think that's for us. Um, I'm not trying to say let's be ignorant and unaware, but let's think through where we're collecting our information and let's not get caught doom scrolling. So another tangible that we can do is pray. So I've got a liturgy from Every Moment Holy that I'd love to read over us. Uh, it's designed to be a call and response, but I'm just gonna read it over you tonight. Um, this is a time of widespread suffering. It'll be on the screen uh, if you wanna read through it with me or if you wanna close your eyes, totally fine. But Christ our King, our world is overtaken by unexpected calamity and by a host of attending fears, worries, and insecurities. We witness suffering, confusion, and hardship multiplied around us, and we find ourselves swept up in these same anxieties, troubles, dismayed by so many uncertainties. Now we turn to you, O God, in this season of our common distress. Be merciful, O Christ, to those who suffer, to those who worry, to those who grieve, to those who are threatened or harmed in any way by this upheaval. Let your holy compassions be active throughout the world, even now, tending the afflicted, comforting the brokenhearted, and bringing hope to many who are hopeless. Use even these hardships to woo our hearts nearer to you, O God. Indeed, O Father, may these days of disquiet become a catalyst for conviction and repentance, for the tendering of our affections, for the stirring of our sympathies, for the refining of our love. We are your people who are called by you. We need not be troubled or alarmed. Indeed, O Lord, let us love now more fearlessly, remembering that you created us and appointed us to live in these very places in the midst of these unsettled times. It is no surprise to you that we are here now, sharing in this turmoil along with the rest of our society. For you called your children to live as salt and light among the nations, praying and laboring for the flourishing of the communities where we dwell, acting as agents of your forgiveness, salvation, healing, reconciliation, and hope in the very midst of an often troubled world. 
And in these holy vocations, you have not left us helpless, O Lord, because you have not left us at all. Your spirit remains among us. Inhabit now your church, O spirit of the risen Christ. Unite and equip your people for the work before them. Father, empower your children to live as your children. In times of distress, let us respond not as those who would instinctively entrench for our own self-preservation, but rather as those who, in imitation of their Lord, would move in humble obedience toward the needs and hurts of their neighborhoods and communities. You are not ashamed to share in our sufferings, Jesus. Let us now be willing to share in yours, serving as your visible witnesses in this broken world. Hear now these words, you children of God, and be greatly encouraged. The Lord's throne in heaven is yet occupied. His rule is eternal, his, and his good purposes on earth will forever be accomplished. So we need not be swayed by the brief and passing panics of this age. You are king of the ages, O Christ, and history is held in your Father's hands. We, your people, know the good and glorious end of this story. Our heavenly hope is secure, and in this time of widespread suffering then, let us rest afresh in the surpassing peace, that vision that your whole church on earth might be liberated, to love more generously and sacrificially. Now, labor in and through us, O Lord, extending and multiplying the many expressions of your mercy. Amen. Amen. I would invite you to stand so we continue in worship.
As we continue in worship tonight, would you read this prayer with me over our offering? Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiplied the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gifts to us, your son and your spirit.
inside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. I will build standing for the reading of God's word. Hi, church family. I'm Kara Natesel. I'm married to Matt. We have four kiddos, Dewey, Ruthie, Charlie, and Rex, and we lead a community group in Springdale. And I have to confess that a lot of Saturday nights, I get nervous to introduce myself to people I don't know here. So if I don't know you, I invite you to help me out of that comfort zone. I want to know you. Um, You guys are important to me. And now it's my honor to bring the scriptures to you tonight. Philippians 2, 19 through 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life, to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, family and friends. Hi. I always love the hi from Melanie. Wow. It's weird. Okay, hi. Thank you. Everyone, hi. Hi. I'm very, I was a little bit um, caught off guard with you, Melanie, because I usually hear that second hour, and here you are in first hour. Uh, My name is Scott Jones. I'm the student team leader here at Fellowship Mosaic. 
which means I get to plan a lot of events with our high school, middle school kids and have fun with them all year long. And it's never tiring, ever, only enjoyable. Uh, no, it really is incredible. Um, I was just, before service tonight, I was over in our office building meeting with our sixth grade boys cell group leaders, just talking through all the ins and outs of their cell group so far this year and the, the ups and downs and the blessings. And they were just sharing with me what God's been doing through the host home, uh, through the moms that have been communicating about bringing food, through the games they've been playing, through basketball, through their discussions in the word. Um, and I'm just so, I'm so humbled all the time at the leaders in our body that are giving their time and energy to great levels and great extents to see other believers come to know and follow Jesus. And if our, uh, our young men in our body can do that with sixth grade boys, we can do it with anyone, amen? Um, so I have a question for you tonight before we begin. And I'm, I'm gonna ask you this question and then just let there be a little bit of space so that your heart can really kind of resonate with the words that I say, okay? When is the last time someone expressed that you have value? When's the last time that someone expressed to you, to your face, using their words, that you have value? When's the last time someone believed in you? Someone showed you that they care about your presence, that they need you around? When's the last time? I think um, back to when I was in college. I'm not an athlete. If you know me very well, you know that I'm not very good at sports, although I love them. I love competition. I'm not an athlete. And I was convinced by some friends in college to go out for the rowing team. And it was so fun. It was so awesome. I ended up loving it. Was I one of the best rowers on the team? Never. I, I never became one of the best rowers. I didn't really have that impressive of my scores on the ergometer, the rowing machine. I loved it. I was good enough, but I was not by any means the best. When my senior year rolled around, my, uh, my coach told me before the year started that he wanted me to consider being team captain that year. And I thought, Oh, come on. I, I know the people who have been team captain my, my sophomore year, my junior year. They were the best rowers on the team. They were the, the tallest, you know, most intimidating guys on the team. You asking me to be team captain doesn't make sense, you know. But I was, I was flattered. I kind of laughed and was like, really, Cam? Really? You want me to be team captain? And he just said, yeah, I believe in you. I've seen you. I've watched you. And you have value on our team. I believe in you. It meant the world to me. He had no idea how much that meant to me. All right, I think about being on a run two weeks ago with, with my buddy Drew and just talking about life, talking about leading community group together and talking about the ins and outs of jobs and the highs and lows of uh, how we're expecting the Lord to move in our lives recently and experiencing him and not experiencing him and and I just remember on the run with Drew, he just told me as we were running next to each other, you know, Scott, I really value you in my life. I really value you in my life. I don't know who I'd be. I don't know where I'd be if not for your brotherhood. And with tears in my eyes as we're running, I said, you too. <laughs> Seriously, you too. I hope you've had some of those moments recently. I hope you have. If you're married, I hope that you've had some of those moments with your spouse, with your kids, with your family members. 
I hope that you value people in your life. And also, I hope that you know what it's like to be valued. So before we dive into um, Timothy and Epaphroditus, the passage that Kara just read for us, I wanna give you a little bit of insight into Paul because Paul is talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus tonight in this passage. So let's get in Paul's mind a little bit and let's imagine uh, where he's coming from emotionally as he says these things about Timothy and about Epaphroditus. So companionship is clearly very, very, very important. Very important. We see throughout all the New Testament, this is just three little examples, we see through uh, the stories of the missionaries and Acts and the apostles, we see through um, the, the epistles and the way that the church is challenged to live together in righteousness and in unity, we, just, we see all over the place that companionship is vital to the Christian faith. A centerpiece of the Christian faith is relationship and unity. We even believe that about God, right? About our triune God who is Father, Son, and Spirit in one relationship. So we have in Acts 17, 15, those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him, not just to join him, but to join him as soon as possible. 2 Corinthians 2, 12 through 13, now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind, even with an open door from the Lord. I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and I went on to Macedonia. Companionship, partnership, relationship, value, unity in the gospel is so important that Paul, someone definitely worth following in his example of following Jesus, decided to not walk through an open door. A wide open door by the Lord. It's not worth walking through. Why? Because I'm waiting on my partnership. Okay, so we're not gonna do the last one. I'm gonna go back to the last one here in a second um, because it's gonna end this story that I'm gonna share with you that you might know, you might not know. Uh, this is not gonna be on the screen, okay? So open up your Bibles to Acts 9 if you'd like to. Open up your Bibles to Acts 9. So Paul, the greatest missionary that ever lived. You might know some of Paul's story. He was a Jewish leader and he was known for persecuting Christians, murdering Christians. He was an evil man he was a violent man. He was a very powerful man, very greedy in his power. And he had this experience on the road to Damascus where Jesus came to him and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul was blinded by God, blinded by Jesus, as he followed Christ that day, as he gave his life over to him. And when Paul uh, traveled back down to Jerusalem, he tried to enter into the family of God and be a part of the followers there, okay? So we're picking up in uh, Acts chapter nine, verse 26. When Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he 
really was a disciple. <laughs> of course they were afraid. This man was known for killing a lot of people like them, right? Verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas said, no, 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 no. I've seen this man walk in the power of the Lord. I've seen his faith at work. I've seen the fruit of his transformation, the fruit of his salvation. I can speak on his behalf. I know we have ample reason to not trust this brother, but we must. Listen to me, Barnabas said. Verse 28, so Paul stayed with him and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. If it wasn't for Barnabas and his expressed value of Paul, his desired partnership with Paul, we might not have gotten the entire New Testament. So after Paul had been moving freely, preaching in Jerusalem, what happens in verse 29? He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and they sent him off to Tarsus. It didn't end up going very well for Paul. They started to become afraid. They thought that it was best if they killed him. He found out, and so the believers in Jesus took him and brought him back to where he was from, probably with his family. So we go about 10 years into the future, a long time. Did you know that? A long time into the future, to chapter 11. We're in Acts 11, verse 19. Acts 11, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also. We're now ministering to people who had not been raised in the Jewish faith, telling the Gentiles, the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Verse 22, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Ah, Barnabas is back. They sent Barnabas to Antioch and when he arrived and he saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, Barnabas was, and full of faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Barnabas was ministering to the Gentiles, ministering to people that we would never expect to want to follow Jesus, who would have every reason to reject his good news not having been raised in the prophecies or understanding the ways that Christ was the Messiah? And who did Barnabas think of? Paul, who 10 years prior had been sent back to Tarsus, fleeing being killed by the Hellenistic Jews. I gotta go find him, because I believe in him. I value him and his ministry, and I know God's not done with him yet. 
So Barnabas went down. There's no cell phones. You know, there's no social media. I don't know how you're going to find someone in an entire city. But Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And what happens after this? Paul becomes a mighty evangelist and missionary for the faith, unstoppable, with many people in his wake of leadership. Okay, one more, one more little, uh, little piece. Go all the way to Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Barnabas seems to like Paul a lot, right? Paul, Saul. This section is, cha- is uh, titled A Disagreement Between Paul and Barnabas. Yo. Chapter 15, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and let us visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, the one who wrote the gospel of Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Mark somehow deserted Paul and Barnabas. That's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. Something had happened. Something had gone wrong. Mark had become afraid. Mark had become stirred. Mark had become angry. Something had happened in their partnership, in their brotherhood, their connection, or even in Mark's spirit and his confidence for his calling, and he had abandoned them on the field. Paul said, I don't want to go get Mark. I don't think we should trust him. I don't really think that he would help right now. But, 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 but. Paul and Barnabas, verse 39, had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark, and he sailed for Cyprus, But Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So Barnabas left for Mark. And he and Paul parted ways. And Paul left with Silas. We don't hear about Barnabas again. We don't really know about Barnabas and his relationship with Paul. But, 2 Timothy 4.11, this is Paul talking, only Luke was with me, so get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Many, many, many years later, the stuff I had read to you yet, Paul hadn't even met Timothy yet for much of this. Many, many, many years later, what's happening? Paul is desperate to go get Mark's help he had somehow reconciled with Mark. I want to believe, I hope, that Paul maybe was convicted by Barnabas' testimony, that Paul was reminded of the ways that Barnabas believed in him, that Barnabas saw him as valuable, and that somehow years and years down the road there was reconciliation, hopefully between Paul and Barnabas, but at least between Paul and Mark. 
And this reconciliation ultimately led to unity in relationship, unity in partnership of the gospel where the Lord was able to move. So as Paul encourages Timothy and encourages Epaphroditus in this simple passage about how wonderful they are in partnership and in character, look at that encouragement tonight with that understanding of the lesson that Paul had learned. Paul himself had been sought out, had been cared for, had been told that he had value when he did not deserve it on his own means, on his own merit. And Paul knew what it was like to go and sin in the way that he had experienced grace. He knew what it was like to then not believe in someone else for whatever reason, and it might have been wise. It might have been for the better that Paul ended up saying, we can't go back for Mark. Sure. But with the reconciliation that we see happen, I wanna believe that there's something powerful that Paul might have learned, that he must have learned about the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ that can look at all of us, me, you, in your muck and say, I value you. I believe in you. So Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy and Epaphroditus. Let's talk about them for a second. Timothy's name means one who honors God. Timothy is Paul's spiritual son, talked about a lot in the scriptures, and a gospel partner. And Timothy was from a Jewish mother and a Greek father. And Timothy first came to know Paul on his first missionary journey. So, Timothy is what you would consider a valuable young lad leader in the church and in the faith. Paul met Timothy, was impacted by Timothy's story, saw Timothy's history of understanding the Jewish scriptures from from his mother, but also being bathed in a Gentile lifestyle by his father, and saw Timothy's heart transformed by the gospel, and saw the value and what he would bring to the ministry. And Paul brought Timothy under his wing and continued place after place, city after city, to raise Timothy up as a leader. And Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus' name means lovely one, specifically relating to Epaphrodite, the goddess of sex or love. So there could be some ways that that Epaphroditus' name was actually a little bit scandalous. We don't really hear that name continue on in Christian community throughout the throughout the generations and the centuries. Um, Just extra encouraging that no matter where you come from, no matter what your past is, no matter what your history is, no matter what you've been marked by, the Lord can use you. The Lord wants to use you. The Lord wants to redeem you. Uh, Epaphroditus was the messenger of this epistle. So the one who brought the letter to the Philippian people. And he was a man of great Honor. He's described as a brother in this passage of a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, as a messenger, and as a minister. So let's dive into the passage. Philippians 2, 19 through 21 says this. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. Continuing in verse 22, but 
you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I'm confident in the Lord that I, may, I myself will come soon. The mission statement of our church is to produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ. I feel like this is the perfect passage for Will Blanchard to teach, actually, because coming from his role in the training center, he would be very passionate about this example in scripture of a leader being raised up. We see from the way that Paul talks about Timothy that it is important, it is vital for Christian leaders, and not just Christian pastors, not just the shepherds of the church or the gatherings of the church, but Christian leaders, people who see their lives marked by ministry opportunities for the gospel, all of us. Those Christian leaders wanting, genuinely wanting to see and to value and to raise up the giftings of other people. The church didn't survive without this. The church would not have have expanded as fast as it did without this multiplication strategy of disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. Churches who plant churches, who plant churches, who plant churches, who make disciples and make disciples. Paul believed in Timothy and Paul was confident in Timothy. So I wanna sum up for you these like three things from this passage that we just read that Timothy is known by. Timothy is known for loving selflessly. He's known for proving himself. And he's known also by Paul for apprenticing faithfully. Loving selflessly. There is this quote from the scripture that we just read. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Do you know what it's like to love selflessly, to be loved selflessly? Do you know what it's like to have a dad or a mom ask you to text you or call you when you get home? I remember those days. And you're like, okay, I will, whatever. And you forget to. Then you get home and they call you. They're like, are you home? You're like, oh yeah, sorry, I forgot. And they're like, oh, good. (laughs) And you realize that the past two hours of your life, you were not thinking about necessarily loving them and they the whole time were like, we love them so selflessly that all we can think about is whether or not they're safe right now, whether or not they arrived at their destination. Do you love the people in your family selflessly? Do you go out of your way to show the people in your life, your friends, your coworkers, your boss, that you care for them, that you see them? Timothy, Timothy was also known for proving himself, but you know that Timothy has proved himself. What does that imply? A track record of fruit, a track record of obedience. Hey, when I ask you this question, I wonder what comes to your mind and heart. What's your reputation? The people that live life with you, the people whose lives are affected by you, that see you, that interact with you, what's your reputation? I think about my friend Jimmy Donahue. He's a leader um, in our student ministry here. And a couple of years ago, he just said, you know, I really care about the young people in our church feeling like they have a place to belong. 
I really care about the young people in our church having fun together. So I'm just gonna start a Frisbee night. On Sundays, it's like whoever wants to come to the church can just play Ultimate Frisbee together. And that's been happening nonstop for multiple years now. There are stories upon stories upon stories of people being brought into community in our church because they came to Frisbee night. Even in the dead of winter, they continued to have Frisbee night. Jimmy Donahue is known by a lot of the young people in our church as being incredibly faithful. The things he says, he will do. And Timothy also apprenticed faithfully because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Think about Melissa Church, a woman who leads in our training center, teaches classes. I was sitting in on one of her classes where she was teaching a bunch of ladies the other day, earlier this week, and I was watching her unpack the Greek language for them. I was just learning from her a lot of really cool nuggets, things about conjunctions and punctuation that don't exist in the Greek language, the importance of context because of that. And I left that class just seeing a woman who has apprenticed Jesus faithfully, has glued herself to the Lord and glued herself to the scriptures, so much so that we see and are impacted by the work of the gospel in her life and in our church. I wanna throw this picture up on the screen for a second. This is our fall retreat picture from fall retreat this year uh, with our student ministry. When I think about Timothy and the things that he was praised for, I think about a lot of leaders, and I'm just gonna call out a couple leaders that are in this picture. You can try to find them if you see them, but I think about Melanie, who yelled at me at the beginning. Um, I think about the ways that Melanie has served in her cell group for years. I think about the things that I've heard girls have confessed in their group that many adults would be afraid to confess, the ways that they rely on each other for gospel unity, the questions they ask, the, the, the ways they catch and hug each other and cry with each other, and the way that Melanie's led them toward that. I think of Jacob Keeney, who's up here somewhere, uh, one of our younger leaders described Jacob Keeney to me recently as the guy who everyone always knows that they can be caught by. Every time I show up and Jacob's there, I know that he's gonna ask me how I'm doing. I think of Becca Weber and Maddie Gilliard and Ben Reinebo, who are somewhere in this picture, our, our college freshmen who've decided that they wanna be known by apprenticing Jesus faithfully by doing what they said they would do and making disciples in our body by loving selflessly. Let's move on to Epaphroditus. Philippians 2, verse 25. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, Paul said, my brother, my coworker, fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill. And he almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Continuing on, verse 28, therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ he risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. 
I hope he wasn't really as angry in that last message or that last sentence as it sounds like he could have been. Something happened in Epaphroditus' life, who was a member of this church body, was sent to care for Paul. Something happened, extreme. Some illness came over him. He even seemed to risk his life for the gospel, so walked into this illness or walked into suffering knowing that he might be in danger. An incredible testimony of healing, apparently. So Epaphroditus is known for these three things in this passage. He's known for enduring hardship. He risked his life. And now, according to Paul, should gain honor because of it. Endured hardship for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. I just, I think of all the people in our body that are praying over sick children right now. I've been walking with Tom Toomer as he's been praying over his family who's dealing with a sick infant for weeks. And I think of a similar story that's happened in two other places in our body. I think of the way Tom has been so faithful, the ways his family has been so faithful to continue to lean into the Lord, to continue to believe that he is good. Risked his life, indeed he was ill and he almost died, but God had mercy on him. Do you know Jason McMahon? Do you know his wife, Melissa? They moved back here from Mali, Africa after being there for many years with their family. And as I've, as I've grown closer with Jason and heard more of their story and really what they risked when they moved their family with young children over to Africa, I was baffled. I was baffled at the way they risked their life, risked their children's lives gladly to see the gospel advance in another part of the world. Gained honor, so then welcome him in the Lord, and with great joy and honor, people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. Think about all the parents in our body. I think about the ways that I see our parents constantly laying their life down for their children. I have had conversations this week with parents on the phone and in person where I just feel like, man, you have lost your life. You have lost your life for the sake of your kids and for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. And he is blessing you. He's blessing you. Think about this picture one more time. And I think about all the testimonies of these kids, the students that I've sat with at Fall Retreat this year crying their eyes out because of their struggles with sexuality, their struggles with addiction, their struggles with fear, with anxiety, and the ways that just like Epaphroditus and his testimony of healing, the ways that God is forming in this body testimonies of healing, testimonies of renewal, testimonies of redemption, would we be so bold enough to share those? Amen? We're gonna go back to the passage really quick. Philippians 2, verse 19 and 21 I have this section highlighted, who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Who will show genuine concern for your welfare. That's what Timothy was known by. And in the next passage, verse 28 through 30, I have this sentence highlighted. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. Show genuine concern for the people's welfare and welcome people in light of their stories with great joy and honor them. 
So I'm just gonna leave you tonight with these two questions on the screen. How genuine is your concern for one another? And how joyous is your honoring of one another? We see in Paul's testimony of Timothy and of Epaphroditus that there is power There is power in the way that God moves whenever his body is unified. Whenever his body is valuing one another. Scripture says that the people of God will be known to the world by our love. By our love is how they will know who we are. Not by the things we do that are crazy and flashy and majestic. Not by the words we say. Not by the way that we preach. The way that we argue. By our love. Hey, when's the last time that someone expressed value for you? When's the last time that you expressed value for someone else? So think about your families. Think about your families. Think about your core community. Think about your community groups, maybe. In the circles of the people that you interact with frequently, will you take a couple minutes before we go back into worship, just a couple minutes to think about these two questions. How genuine is my concern for one another around me? How joyous is my honoring of one another? Lord, gracious Father, and Jesus, our King and friend and Holy Spirit who moves and dwells in us. Help us to be concerned for each other. That we would show sacrificial love. And help us, in light of each other's stories and testimonies, help us to honor one another. Have a spirit of hospitality that we would welcome in the diversities that exist around us. May our body be stronger because of it. In your name I pray, amen. Take a moment to think about these two questions. Sit with the Lord. before Christ that we belong to him.
powers that don't satisfy power and pleasure that always run dry
Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. Mosaic, it was a wonderful experience worshiping with you tonight. So would you go in peace to love and serve the Lord.